Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! oh the the horror. horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can check our uh, website out. For our back catalog and yeah. bios and... Oh, the horror podcast.com. Yeah. Yeah. You can do those things. Here Take we are. Take two. Take two. <laughs> After some uh, lengthy troubleshooting... We're we're hoping this one is the uh, the one. We're hoping this is a keeper. Yes, because if this is the keeper, that means we have uh, figured out the problem. We've circled it. We've circled the wagons. Yes. Yes. Yep. After careful consideration, mm-hmm. we're uh, probably mm-hmm. gonna kick this out mid cycle. Yeah. So we can uh, get back somewhat into a cycle. Right. But we're uh, we're sorry for the delay. We are. Our apologies. Yes. We uh, were going to... Well, I mean, it's not like we didn't do anything no. with our time off. Well, that's what I was going to kind of get to, is we uh, were ambitious on getting it fixed, and then uh, a family member has been ill. Yes. So we're maneuvering around that. Yes. And uh, that appears to be ongoing. So... Yes. We would appreciate all good thoughts, feels, and prayers. Yes, if prayers are your jam you or whatever. Par- yeah, if you yep. can part with them, we greatly appreciate it. Yep. And then uh, then we went up and got married. We sure did. <laughs> One, two, three, pull. Yeah, we did it. We planned a wedding in four hours. Yeah. Had it done, what, six days later? Yeah. Mm, no. No, less than that. Five. Planned it on Monday, had it on Saturday. Yeah. Five days. Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday. Cinco. Yeah. Cinco dias. Yeah. 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 Not half bad. Hey, wifey. Hey, husband. Ew. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I can't wait to use it, like, all the time. Yeah. That's not going to get old anytime soon. No, I wouldn't expect it to. No. So here we are, Waco Tragedy. Yes. Episode 82. Yes. Take two. Yes. Let's hope for a good run. Right? And then we can be <laughs> super, uh, super confident for the next one. But but we're going to roll this off like it's nothing. So Okay. I have for sources the DallasNews.com, mm-hmm. PBS.org, mm-hmm. and... Uh, a wiki for Branch Davidians, wiki for Waco Siege, and some other cult-related stuff because it is Cult of the Month. Boy, we're really out of the swing on things. I mean, usually well, we have the delight. It's amazing what a couple weeks will do. I to know. You. Just, we're all out of practice. Yeah. We're all discombobulated. We're not in our fighting. We're like we're like a virgin all over again. <laughs> we're not in our fighting shape. We are not. Yeah. I have one source. Yeah. Britannica.com. Okay. Waco Siege. Waco Siege. Bum, ba, da, bum. O- old Britannica. I enjoy the Britannica. Yeah. Not going to lie. All right. 
So this basically starts with the Branch Davidians. Yeah. If we're gonna, tell me, Frank. If we're going to do this What right. is a Branch Davidian? I'll tell you again. <laughs> I didn't hear you the first time. As I water myself up. Okay. Make sure that doesn't tip over. Otherwise, we got some real problems. Yeah. That'll fall on creative director Dean. We don't want that. No. Okay, so the Branch Davidians, or the General Association of Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. That just rolls off the tongue. Catchy name. Just as easy this time as it was the first time. They're an apocalyptic new religious movement founded in 1955. They were new then. Uh, by okay. Benjamin Roden. They okay. regarded themselves as a continuation of the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists, established by Victor Hotef in 1935. Again, these names just yeah. roll off the tongue with the greatest of ease. Yeah, but I figured we'd start here because everybody remembers it from the Waco tragedy. We need to go to the beginning. And David Koresh. Yeah. But this is a group that's been around for a long time. Yeah. I mean, basically actually. close to 10, 13 years. It'd be 100 years when they started. Right. In 1935. Correct. So Hotef, a Bulgarian immigrant and Seventh-day Adventist, wrote a series of tracks entitled The Shepherd's Rod which called for the reform of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. <laughs> I tried so hard. I, I almost got through it, too. But it's just impossible. I think it's impossible. I don't think you could read seriously and have a series of tracks entitled The Shepherd's Rod. Of all the things he could have chosen, like The Shepherd's Staff, nope. The Shepherd's Crook, nope. The Shepherd's Hook, nope. nope, The Shepherd's Rod. You got it. His bulging, throbbing rod. Hey, you got to pull him in one way or another. These things ain't going to move on their own. So stunningly, uh, his ideas were rejected by, no! Ad by Adventist leaders in his... No! In his own group. No way. No, I promise. They don't like the shepherd's rod. They didn't. They weren't into it. Nope. So Hotef and his followers founded the Davidians. Okay. And settled on a tract of land on the western outskirts of Waco, Texas, United States, where they built a compound called the Mount Carmel Center and began preparing for the second coming. Okay. After Hotoff's death in... Out of the shepherd's rock. Yeah, right? 1955. This wife, Florence, uh, usurped Davidian leader, leadership. Okay. That same year, Rodin, a former follower of Hotef, called himself the branch. After the branch referred to in Isaiah 11.1. 1. Called for the Davidians to come to Mount Carmel Center to hear his message... This was the beginning of the group that would be popularly known as the Branch Davidians. That's, okay. that's when the band got together. Cool, man. It sure was, man. So in 1957, Florence sold the original Mount Carmel Center and purchased 941 acres near Elk, Elk Texas. 13 miles northeast of Waco is where this was placed. They named the property the new Mount Carmel Center. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Not the old Mount Carmel. Center. The new. This is the new. This is the new. Yeah. Shiny, happy, fancy. Yes. Okay. 
After the failure of Florence's uh, prophecy of apocalyptic events on or near April 22nd, 1959, she dissolved the Davidian Association in 1962 and sold all but 77.86 acres of the new Mount Carmel property. You know what she needed? What's that? Nostradamus's centuries. Yeah. So that she could well, have you know, accurately predicted. Yeah. That's the problem yep. with apocalyptic religions mm-hmm. and apocalyptic groups. You start waving the flag and putting the lights and sirens on. Or. And what they needed to do was a series of haikus. Yeah, that's to what put I was going to say. She needed some, you know, vaguely worded, mm-hmm. v- highly veiled, yeah. totally suspect, can be interpreted yeah. 50 million ways. Yep. And and she could have called it... Anything. Well, not the shepherd's rod, because that doesn't go over yeah. well. She, she could call it the it, new shepherd's rod. Or got wood. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Now I lost track of where I was. The uh, So in uh, February 27th, 1973, New Mount Carmel was sold to Benjamin Roden, Lois Roden, and their son, George Roden. Trustees for the General Association of Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. Again, it just rolled They were off. such wordsmiths. They really were. They really were. They were gifted. Yeah. They're like, you know what? Yeah. This is this mm-hmm. is how we get them in. So this point on, the property was simply known as Mount Carmel. They finally did something right. And upon the death of Roden in 1978, his wife Lois became the next Davidian prophet mm-hmm. at the compound. Yeah. Shit went down after this. As in ni- it usually does. As 1981, a young man named Vernon Howell. Yes. Later known as David Koresh, came to the new Mount Carmel and studied biblical prophecy under Lois Roden. He did. By the end of 1983, Howell gained uh, a group of followers, and they separated from Lois's organization to form a new organization by the name the Davidian Branch Davidian Seventh-Day Adventist Association. Again. Wordsmiths. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think it's... Say it's, that three times fast. It's, it's known to note here, though. It should be noted that... 1981, David Koresh showed up. Yep. And by 1983, he he's already gained own, a group. and he's, he's got his own sect of, he's of followers. Yeah. And that's only two years. And Not far at all. That's probably when he started taking his, um, quote unquote, spiritual wives as well. Because, you know, hey, oh, you, know, you got you, all these people. You got to start early on that stuff. Yeah. Right? So meanwhile, Lois continued to operate the Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association from Mount Carmel Center near uh, Waco. Yes. It is notable that Howell's group and the Branch Davidians, Lois's group, mm-hmm. were two separate organizations with different leaders, different names, operating right. from different locations from 1983 and forward. So this is where uh, David Koresh, known at this point Vernon Howell, Branches away. Excuse the pun. Yes. But uh, it was not until 1987 after Lois had died that Howell filed a document claiming to be be the president of the Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association. 
even mm-hmm. though he had been leading a competing group for several years. Right. Also in 1987, Koresh and some of his followers went to Mar- Mount Carmel Center and engaged in a shootout with George Roden that eventually resulted in Koresh's group occupying the land. Right. The actions of Koresh and his followers in 1987, which is basically taking the name and property of the Branch Davidian SDA organization, we'll just go with because that's just a mouthful every time, uh, are regarded by Branch Davidians who remained loyal to Lois Roden as an act of identity theft against him. So there's a lot of rift going right, on here. Yeah. Koresh's leadership of his group ended at the climax of the Waco siege in 1993. And that was a 51-day standoff Correct. between the members of the sect and federal agents. When New Mount Carmel was destroyed in that fire, four ATF agents and two residents of Mount Carmel were killed by members of the sect during the initial raid while four sect members were killed off. It was a big mess. We'll right. get into yes, that. Yes, we will get into that. So... Basically, the um, you know we've got this rise of David Koresh. We do, and he becomes this spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. One of his first acts was the adoption of a new name, mm-hmm. David Koresh. Yep. This name suggested that he was a spiritual heir of the biblical king David, and that he, like Koresh, which is Hebrew for Cyrus, the ancient Persian king was a messianic figure, though not the Messiah Jesus. Cyrus is the only non-Jew to whom the title Messiah, or quote-unquote anointed one, is given in scripture. Koresh exercised his new authority by taking several spiritual wives from among the group's unmarried members, uh, some believed to be as young as 11. And in 1989, he asserted that he was the perfect mate for all female members and and confided to the Davidians his intention to create a new lineage of children whom he believed would eventually rule the world. Mm. So Ambitious. Just spew your seed everywhere Mm -hmm. so that you can plant your seed everywhere. Yeah. He's a a peach. Koresh's interpretation of the Bible rested largely on identifying himself with the lamb mentioned in Revelation 5. Traditionally, the lamb is identified with Jesus, but Koresh distinguished between them, suggesting that the lamb's role was to loose the seven seals and to interpret the scroll mentioned in Revelation 5.2, thereby bringing forth the end-time revelation of Christ. That Koresh thought that the end time was imminent is suggested in his commentary on Revelation. Quote, so the question remains, what are the seven seals? And the answer remains, a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. End quote. At the time of his death, Koresh was hastily preparing his interpretation of the seven seals for publication. And it's because several of Koresh's spiritual wives were teenagers that the community was accused of child abuse by a former member and an anti-cult activist. These allegations were aired in a 1992 trial in which an ex-member sought custody of his daughter. Coupled with Koresh's launching of a retail gun business, those child abuse charges began to attract the attention of legal authorities which when you're trying to be a cult that stays under the radar, that's 
pretty much the opposite of what you're trying to do. Yeah. Investigators unsophisticated in the apocalyptic language of the Bible adopted by the group also worried that the Branch Davidians might attack their neighbors or even Waco while fulfilling an imagined end-time scenario. And that's why early in 1993, ATF agents in Texas requested a search warrant for Mount Carmel, but they decided to make a surprise forced entry rather than serve said warrant. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, because... This is where uh, I. Most... If you're gonna say something went wrong, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is where we're finally getting into the story that most people either at that time remember, or what most people are told about is the siege. Yeah, they're yeah. never really told about what got to what the led siege. Up to it, yeah. Uh, there is some good documentaries that are that are out there, and I recommend pretty much most of them. Yeah. They yeah. they cover it pretty well. If you weren't in that era, which February 28th was the first day of the siege. That's when they uh, decided to, quote unquote, serve, yeah. but not serve so that what, warrant. So what basically happened was leading up to that, they were after these weapons. And they Correct. had somebody in on the inside yes. that was taking videos. And they managed to get a video of this room. And it was just a massive... Room, full, room of, full of weapons. Yeah, they did uh, have an arsenal. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. to... Well, and here's the thing. I, I'm of the belief that... Of course, this is a weird time to... No, it's not a weird time to talk about it. I always say that you can have a zillion guns in a room, and if you don't use them, they don't bother anybody. Correct. What got them screwed was they did use them. Correct. And they used him earlier in that whole yeah that whole uh, deal when he took control away from yeah, uh, trying to George. take control and just to kind of put it into context that was 1987 uh, Koresh at that time he was Howell uh, and seven of his followers raided Mount Carmel equipped with five um, semi-automatic rifles two 22 caliber rifles two 12 gauge shotguns and basically about 400 rounds of ammunition. Correct. And it was their attempt to retake the compound. Uh, and basically, his group was claiming that, oh, uh, it was just trying to obtain evidence of Roden's illegal activities. Right, yes. That's how you, yes. do, that's how you do that. That's exactly how you do that, with guns yeah. and, and the members, ammo. The members didn't take a camera with them. No. Uh, the trial ended with the jury finding uh, the followers not guilty, but the juror members uh, were unable to agree on a verdict for uh, Howell himself. After his followers were acquitted, Howell invited the prosecutors to Mount Carmel for ice cream. Yeah. And it is claimed that Howell was never authorized to name his breakaway sect the Branch Davidians. And the church which bears that name continues to represent the members of the Branch Church who did not follow him. Right. Yes. So basically what was going on with the siege is Koresh encouraged his followers to think of themselves as students of the Seven Seals. Very um, apocalyptic ideas based off of revelations. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he he wanted that rather than the Branch Davidians. And actually, during the standoff, one of his followers publicly announced that he wanted them uh, to thereafter be identified by the name Koreshians. That's how deep it started getting. But, yeah, ATF 
they're camped outside. They're looking for this whole reason to, to get in. Yeah. They, and now, normally, what would happen is they would get that video. They would get a warrant. Their warrant. And then they would go and they would serve They would go warrant. up. They'd serve the warrant. Yep. They'd go in. All that stuff. Yep. And this is where it's a screw up on both sides. Yes. There's really no good person here. Right. Yes. And the, the eight- whole reason they went there was because they thought they were illegally stockpiling weapons. And that's when um, the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms obtained both an arrest warrant for Koresh and a search warrant for the compound. Mm-hmm. And then on the 28th of February in 93, more than 70 ATF agents raided the complex. Gunfire erupted, though it's uncertain who fired first. And during the two-hour battle, four federal agents were killed and more than a dozen injured. And in addition, six Davidians reportedly died. So, I mean, honestly, you mean to tell me you couldn't have done this in a better way? No, and this is, uh, I have the date play-by-play. You want me to go through that? Yeah, we can go through that. Okay, so, yeah, the federal siege, ATF was involved because of the firearms. Correct. And Koresh made it into this other big deal of, you know, they're, they're coming to get us. Yes. Blah, 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 yep. blah. Yeah. And so basically. Well, it's them against the world, babe. So, yeah. ATF, uh, again, would have just went to the door, maneuvered through all that. Yeah. But, they would have knocked on the door. They would have they would have taken David out. And yeah. then they would have said, this is what we're searching for. And then they would have searched the premises. Correct. But less than an hour before ATF's raid, the sect is tipped off by a TV cameraman. Right. Not realizing a man in a postal vehicle is... A Davidian. The cameraman tells him that the ATF is about to launch a raid. So David Jones rushes back and tells Koresh. Right. And the sect has about 45 minutes to prepare at this point. Right. And that's so when, what do you do? You logically grab your guns. Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're preparing. So a firefight begins as uh, agents arrive at the compound in cattle trailers. And that's where, as you said, four agents die, 17 are wounded. And by day's end, six Davidians are dead, and Koresh and several others are wounded. Mm-hmm. That night, the FBI's hostage rescue team and the uh, negotiators arrive in Waco. So now the uh, FBI's involved, right. ATF's involved. The ATF agent who negotiates a ceasefire persuades Koresh to release two children each time Dell's radio news uh, station plays Koresh's message that God has given him the ability to unlock the seven seals of revelation and start the apocalypse. Yep. So at this point, if you're not, if you weren't alive at this time, this shit was on TV everywhere. It was, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't watch anything without this being in the background somewhere, especially like, I know back at home, like the big three, like ABC, NBC, CBS and NBC. Yep. It was on all the time. And sometimes it was picture in a picture. Yep. So they just have it there sitting there and you'd be watching your show or what, you know, just whatever's on. It was Panda Watch from Anchorman. Pretty much. Panda Watch. Panda Jerk. And (laughs) and basically that picture in a picture would move the other way. And you'd have the TV you're watching. And the thing is, is 
Did this go on for a few days? No. No. Did this go on for a week? No. no. Did this was... go on for a few weeks? No. no. It went on for almost a month and a half to yep. two months. From February 28th to April 19th, it was must-see TV because it was the only yeah. thing you could but see what on TV. Everyone has to understand that wasn't from that. That whole time period was just the siege yeah. It wasn't yeah, the no. court case. No. It wasn't any no. of that stuff. It was just the siege. It was just the freaking siege. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it was days upon days of watching nothing. And then it was just shit on a speaker going. Yep. And they would have this from him. And it would just be this stupid analysis all day. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. this is fucking. So, Betsy, what does this mean? Chuck Florence out here out front of Waco. Still nothing going on, but we're waiting. FBI and ATF has uh, they they're right on it. They say, and they're going to have a development soon. It was always a development yeah. soon. Alphabet and it was soup standing by. Freaking nothing. Mm-hmm. Back to you, Chuck. Yep. And so March first, the FBI takes charge of resolving the standoff. The FBI's hostage rescue team tightens the perimeter around the compound. DeClash declares, if they want to fight. We'll fight. Mm-hmm. The FBI restricts compound phone lines to uh, negotiator calls. Koresh demands the phones be restored or FBI officials will have to live with knowing they're the ones that killed these little children. Right. And this shit was going back and forth. Yep. Negotiator offers to give Koresh a national platform for a recorded message if he agrees to lead his people out after the message airs. Koresh agrees. He sure does. And this is when it's going back and forth. Yep. March 2nd at 1.30 p.m., Koresh's 57-minute recorded message is aired on the Christian Broadcast Network. Koresh had promised to surrender after the broadcast. Guess this what? This shit was played everywhere. And guess what? Koresh he is didn't. Lo- Koresh's lieutenant, hours later, Steve Snyder tells negotiators that God has told Koresh to wait. So now the FBI's tactical and on-scene commanders move tanks forward. Negotiators urge patience. March 5th, a nine-year-old girl is the last of 21 children to come out. FBI profilers warn in a memo that increasing tactical pressure could eventually be counterproductive and could result in loss of life. Mm -hmm. March 7th, Koresh tells a negotiator he's Christ come to judge the world, starting with overthrowing America. Asked to send more kids out, Koresh responded. You're dealing with my biological children now. Yes. So now he like gave out everyone else except basically his family and his most loyal followers. Yep. All of his children would die in this compound. Uh, McLennan County Sheriff Jack Harwell phones Koresh and says he'd ask the FBI to send milk to the compound. After milk is sent in, Koresh sends out a videotape of himself. And some of his wives and children, I remember watching those videos. Yep. They played them right on the air. Mm-hmm. Some observe it would be positive public uh, relations for Koresh, and FBI officials uh, don't release the tape. But it did kind of leak out in some right, areas. Yep. March 9th, without consulting negotiators, FBI commanders temporarily cut off compound security. Davidians hang a banner, God help us, we want the press. The 11th of March, FBI tactical commanders asked for Washington's okay to use tear gas to uh, pressure Davidians to surrender. Proposals denied. March 12th, Janet Reno is sworn in as U.S. Attorney General. 
a Davidian who surrenders tells the FBI that Koresh has total hold on followers and many would surrender if David would just tell them. Correct. Yep. The FBI permanently cuts electricity and begins shining spotlights on the compound, broadcasting from loudspeakers. A negotiation leader later says cutting power is one of the absolutely critical decisions that changed the outcome. That's why they fucking do it right at the beginning yep. every time now. Yep. If not for that, he said more people would have come out. March 13th, your birthday. Yep. Negotiators have difficulty reaching compound residents all day. An FBI bug picks up Koresh raging about cut power and phones. Someone's stabbing me in the back. Going to go up and blow their heads off, he says. Mm-hmm. He's just fucking losing yeah. it. March 14th, a child psychiatrist tells the FBI that older children who have been released act as if they had a shared group secret. Major themes with all the children are a sense of unusual sexual practices involving young girls in the sense that there is going to be an absolute explosive end to these children's families. They've been brought up saying that the world's going to end. Yeah. You know, just all this apocalyptic, you know, stuff. So March 15th, Davidians Schneider and Wayne Martin meet outside the compound with Sheriff Harwell and FBI negotiator Byron Sage. FBI bugs pick up Koresh and Schneider uh, discussing the ATF gunfight, describing Davidians firing through windows and walls. Koresh laughs about seeing an ATF agent in the corner all slumped and his head blew up. He shouldn't have been standing in my door trying to come in, but what am I going to do? Let him come in? And I remember this just ratcheting up and ratcheting it up. And at this point, this is where you had two types of people. You had the ones that were like, you know what? Just leave them alone. Why the hell are you bothering them? And you had the other ones that were like, fucking go in there, get them out, burn the place to the fucking ground, move on. So March 17th, a wounded ATF agent sues, alleging Waco media tipped the Davidians to ATF's raid. Schneider refuses to come out for a second meeting, saying Koresh is angry about armored vehicles nearing the compound, and ATS media statements about their raid. Koresh declares, we're saying your commanders are a threat. You're trying to push aside where we're coming from. Therefore, we can't communicate. I'm willing to give and take. I made the first move by sending out the kids. You have continued to digress on things you promise. You keep yourselves in ignorance. You don't understand. The negotiator responds, I do understand. We're running out of patience. Schneider tells a negotiator that 20 to 30 people were almost ready to surrender before electricity was permanently cut. Mm -hmm. These commanders, I mean, they're the ones that have it, have messed it up. I think you will tell me the truth, but they're ultimately in control. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. March 21st, hours after seven adults surrender, FBI tanks bulldoze uh, sec cars. And I remember that because the, the bulldozers are moving and tanks and they're like, yep. oh, they're going in, they're going in because you didn't know what they were doing. Right. And the chief negotiator warns that the FBI is again answering positive Davidian actions with aggressive negative reactions. That night, FBI loudspeakers blast Tibetan monk chants at the compound. They later play Christmas carols. Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made for Walking. And then I remember this, like late at night, they did these dying rabbit screams. And it was just like these terrible, yep. like screaming noises and uh, just trying to freaking break them down. Mm-hmm. And I got to laugh because it's fucking months later. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? 
They've been dicking around for and, a month. And negotiators' memo to FBI headquarters uh, endorses a tear gas plan. Negotiators say they hope to persuade FBI leaders to gas the building gradually and not just throw it in. 23rd, Assistant U.S. Attorney Bill Johnson writes Reno to complain that the FBI is destroying evidence and jeopardizing any criminal case. Uh, Livingston Fagan, a British national, is the last of 14 adults to surrender. 19th, after Koresh uh, speaks to negotiators for the first time in four days, Houston criminal defense attorney Dick uh, DeGuren goes to the compound to meet Koresh, yep. hired by Koresh's mother. Mm-hmm. He will return four more times and will be accompanied on his last two trips by Houston criminal defense attorney Jack Zimmerman, who is retained to represent Schneider. March 30th. Amy, uh, Army veteran Tim McVeigh, the future Oklahoma City bomber, visits Waco. Mm-hmm. While there, he tells a, jur- a journalism student that the incident is the start of government repression. McVeigh sells bumper stickers such as Fear the Government That Fears Your Gun. April 4th, after their last meeting with Koresh, lawyers DeGeneron uh, and Zimmerman tell the FBI that everyone will surrender after a week-long Passover observance. And I remember, like, yep. that going on. Everybody's like, oh, my God, another week. It yep. was just like, oh, I, I want TV back. I want. <laughs> yeah, I want my life back, yeah. man. And just something else to talk about. And April 5th, the Branch Davidians begin observing Passover. In a phone message to FBI headquarters, Waco tactical commanders say they won't try to fight fires that break out if there is a gas assault. April 9th, Koresh sends out a letter signed, uh, Yahweh Koresh, which warns of coming earthquakes, disasters, and judgment. Mm-hmm. Never fucking happened. April what? 10th. It doesn't? FBI agents ring the compound with a uh, uh, concertina wire, a uh, second letter signed by Yahweh Koresh. I mean, he's calling himself God. Basically, God at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Koresh's name for God warns do not hurt my lamb. Or, yeah. you, or you get the shepherd's rod. So <laughs> April 12th, FBI leaders ask Reno to approve the gas assault. She asks, why now? Why not wait? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> she didn't say, are you fucking kidding me? But, right, yeah. Like, why not wait? You've been waiting for a month and a half now. Mm-hmm. And request more information. And folks... This is why government sucks at running things. Oh, yeah. We'll get into it later, but, yeah. you know, this is where they suck at everything they do. Mm-hmm. April 14th, Koresh tells lawyer uh, DeGeneron that he will come out after writing his message about the seven seals. FBI officials dismiss that as another ruse. And at this I point, mean, the I've... FBI is like, look, he's just slow roping the whole fucking time. Just He's to, slow rolling for something. Well, no, he, he knows the inevitable. Yep. They're coming in. Yep. And he can't lose face in front of his group. Right. Yeah. So it's okay. a fight to the end. Yep. This is where it's a, literally a standoff, you know, yeah. and everybody knows how this is going to end. There's no good way out of it. Right. A good yes. way would have been a long time ago. And this is where, again, the you government. You mean like just peacefully serving the warrant? You know. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't even know if they would have been able to peacefully serve the warrant. I mean, that's true. I really honestly that's think true. that. I think they would have tried to serve the warrant and something would have happened. Well, I, okay. 
let's play devil's advocate. If they had peacefully tried to serve the warrant mm-hmm. and the Davidians had been the aggressors, then they would have been in less of a, uh, you know, political shitstorm afterward because they were very much but you're forgetting held the, thing. the task for how they handled the situation. You have a room full of weapons and you've convinced everybody that the world is after you. Mm-hmm. And those weapons are there to protect yourself from the world that's coming to get you. The alcohol, tobacco, and firearms mm-hmm. of the United States government is coming in on a warrant. What are they going to take? They're going to take all the guns. Yeah. So he's not, again, he has to keep face in front of his cult. Right. Yeah. So it's just, there was only one way this was going to end. Yeah. And it was going to be shooting on the first day Mm -hmm. and then all depending there. I think maybe it might've went shorter, but I mean, they did the raid and they lost a lot of people anyways. Right. I say the feds, you know, or ATF. But on April 15th, in a memo to U.S. Treasury Secretary Lloyd Benson, whose agency oversees the ATF. So this is, you know, U.S. Treasury uh, was overseeing the ATF, which, I mean, think about that. It's just weird. Why does the Treasury have oversight over alcohol, tobacco, tobacco, and and firearms? Because the government sucks. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Deputy Secretary Robert Altman reports that the FBI is pushing a gas assault plan because negotiations are stalled and they don't believe it's worth waiting. Altman expresses doubts that Reno will approve the plan, concluding the risks of a tragedy are here. And if the FBI waits indefinitely, Mr. Koresh eventually will concede. So they were just planning to wait him out. Yeah. That was the plan. I don't think he ever would have conceded. No. (laughs) So Reno vetoes the FBI's plan the next day on the 16th, but then requests an FBI briefing book just uh, justifying the use of tear gas. Mm -hmm. Next day in the 17th, Reno approves the FBI's tear gas plan. FBI bugs capture talk of keeping fire trucks away. Nobody comes in here, someone says. They couldn't even bring in the fire truck, Schneider replies, because they couldn't even get near us. Right. Asked about progress on Koresh's manuscript, Schneider tells a negotiator he hasn't seen anything. April 18th, tanks bash a vintage El Camino and Koresh's Camaro. Koresh warns a negotiator, you're going to place this day in the history books as one of the saddest days in the world. He says they're destroying evidence and covering up for the ATF, doing wrong before God, before man. A negotiator tells Koresh he seems to have no concern for anyone but himself. FBI bugs pick up a Davidian asking what's the latest. Schneider says it may be scary. A man quips, you always wanted to be a charcoal briquette. Someone responds, there's nothing like a good fire to bring us to the earth. This is devoted here. Yes. And that's what I'm saying by like day one, you had these people devoted. And the only thing is waiting. You're making them stronger and stronger and stronger. Schneider says, not maybe stronger, but more unified on their front. Uh, Schneider says he looked forward to what he'd do to federal agents as the prophecies were fulfilled, adding, wait till I get my scrawny hands on your scrawny neck. I'm coming back, and when I do, you aren't going to know where you're going to be able to hide. Mm -hmm. And this is the whole thing of just the waiting proved their prophecy. Right. The waiting and all of the the stuff. It proved their prophecy in their eyes true. Right. Which made them more unified. The chief negotiator warns the hostage rescue team commander that the gas plan won't work. 
He later says, I didn't think it would drive the Davidians from the building, and I was afraid it would put us in the untenable position where they were moving forward that uh, they couldn't retreat from. Mm -hmm. So April 19th at dawn, FBI tanks begin ramming the building and spraying in tear gas. Man, I remember that on TV. Approximately 6 a.m. The Bureau uh, escalates uh, gassing instead of following a gradual insertion plan because FBI snipers report seeing gunfire from the compound. Minutes after gassing begins, FBI bugs intercept Davidians discussing spreading fuel on Koresh's orders. Just before noon, FBI bugs capture talk about starting fires. At 12.07 p.m., the compound begins burning in at least three places. Fire survivor uh, Graham Craddock testifies he heard a fellow SEC member yell, light the fire, and saw someone pouring fuel on hay bales in the chapel. More than 70 Davidians die, including at least 17 children. Uh, Koresh, Schneider, and others die of close-range gunshots. Nine adults survive, including one who brought out a computer disc with Koresh's unfinished 28-page manuscript. Yeah. um, At 12.25 p.m., gunfire was heard inside the compound, and due to safety concerns, firefighters were not allowed into the area for another 15 minutes, by which time the compound was beyond saving. While nine people managed to escape, the rest died. Investigators ultimately found 75 bodies, 25 of which belonged to children. A number of the deceased had been fatally shot, including Koresh, while some of the wounds appeared to be self-inflicted. Others were not. Yeah. Which means they shot each other. Yeah. No, I mean, it's all hell breaking loose. And I remember watching it at first, like everybody wanted to blame the ATF. Mm-hmm. It was the ATS fault. Yeah. Everything was the ATS fault. Then it was the FBI's fault. And then fault. it was the FBI's fault. Then it fault. was Janet Reno's fault. It was Janet Reno's fault. And then it was, uh, you know, the Fed started the fire because of the gas. Mm-hmm. It was the gas that started the fire. And that went on as basically the, the reason that the fire started because there was very little. It's not like today where you have 8 million news, like, uh, news sources right? Yes. and documentaries on an independent level with mm-hmm. streaming services yeah. like Netflix and Amazon or even just YouTube for yeah. all that matter. Yep. None of that crap was around then. No. So you had basically what the the few news sources that it's were covering it. what the news told you. That's all you had. Telling you. That's all you freaking had. Unless you were there and you heard a story on the skinny on the inside or something. Right. But basically it was all that. And then you find out later on that it was them that, Got the fire started. Yes. The Davidians. Yes. And uh, this was all uh, laid out very well in that documentary yeah. we watched. Mm-hmm. It was. It's, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's sad because it, really, it really shows two important things. It shows how terrible government handles things. Yes. But it also shows how crazy these freaking cults can get going. Yeah. And, yeah. and I really think that's why, you know, everybody sits there and goes, well, why don't they do anything about this cult? Why don't they do anything about that cult? I think this is why. It's oh, per- permanently 100%. scarred these organizations. And I bet you got the ATF and you got the FBI that are like, you know what? We are never doing another Waco. And Yeah, exactly. And that does get referenced a lot. And they're like, no, remember Waco? We're not doing that again. Yeah. And- and now you have these cults that are around mm-hmm. that basically exist 
And I think what their aim is, is like, yeah, no, we'll let people talk about them and inform people that way. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to touch them. No. Unless people bring up charges and they go through the court system. Mm, right. And, yes. And yes, things like yes. that. And and even the but legal. they're not going to take it upon themselves to go after them. No, they're not doing it anymore no. like that. No. But I would imagine it'd be different. Like, I'd be curious to see if another Waco, uh, not Waco, but. Because I hate saying Waco. It's the town. The town didn't ask for any of this shit. No. You know, another Branch Davidian type thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, oh, I think it's 100% possible. Well, no, I, but I'm saying like the whole thing with like the weapons and, mm-hmm. you know, how people are going yeah. fucking nuts over guns now. Yeah. Um, I see it. I see it happening at some point. Mm-hmm. But even that, I don't think the government's that, as much as I'd like to say how stupid the government is and- 99% of the time it's true. The I don't think they're stupid enough to even do that again, where they'd go against their own message of, yeah, oh, we, yeah, we got to no, do something I about guns. I don't think it'll be them. But they're I, not going to go after I something like that. I think it'll like be another group that goes after them, you know, thinking that they're doing this great thing by taking It's not a government group, though. No, it wouldn't be a government group. And and that's where, you know, you know some of these uh, three-letter agencies or even uh, – you know, parts of politics that are against guns in a huge way. I don't think they touch something. Well, they're not touching something like this because there are groups right. that have stuff yeah. like that. But the loyalty of the people, I mean, it just shows it every time. This mm-hmm. is why it's cult of the month. I mean, mm-hmm. they just, there was groups that went out, but the hardcore stayed in. They did, and, yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. The government's handling of the situation drew sharp criticism, and Reno later expressed regret for authorizing the raid, while the government long maintained that it was not involved in starting or spreading the fire. In 1999, it was revealed that some of the tear gas used by the FBI was actually flammable. Later that year, Reno appointed uh, John Danforth, a lawyer and former Republican senator, to investigate the raid. His probe, which concluded in 2000, found that the U.S. government, quote, did not cause the fire, end quote, nor did it shoot at the compound. Regardless of such findings, some people viewed the Waco siege as governmental abuse of authority, and it spurred the growth of militias. In 1995, on the second anniversary of the raid, Timothy McVeigh carried out the Oklahoma City bombing, which killed 168 people. Yeah. And the fact that he was there selling... Bumper stickers? Jesus. Yeah, it's, uh, and people have to understand at this point too, like before that, the government didn't get involved in anything. Right. This was the first time the government got involved on something on this level, and it just showed the paralysis once they were in it. Mm -hmm. As as it got bigger and bigger, it was on TV all over, and it was on on late night talk shows Mm -hmm. and uh, daily shows and just everybody was talking about this. And it was the big discussion of, you know, at, at ultimately it was, you know, should they just go in there and do what they got to do or do they just leave them alone? Right. And, yeah. and I think it really does show that government has this way of ratcheting up shit until it's time to do shit. Right. And yes. then once it's time to do shit, they don't do a damn thing. Mm-hmm. They just will be present and bark and bark and bark. But they don't do anything because mm-hmm. them going in there was messy on a lot of levels. And right. it really conveyed a message to Americans. Like, if you 
if you're not agreeing with us, I mean, even in this stance where the government government was, quote unquote, correct. Right. Yes. But it just showed the government doing things that like Americans were never after. That's what people don't get about America. Like America, it's it's anti-government. Yeah. Anti-federal government. Yeah. We don't want governmental oversight. Yeah. The whole point and purpose of the revolution was because we didn't want to have to pay a tax on tea and we didn't want to be ruled by a king who never set across, foot here. Yeah, across the ocean. Yeah. You know, and, and it was more than that. It was this idea of the federal thing. And, yeah. and this is a weird time now where it's starting to change. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that think the government should be running everything. The federal government. Yeah. Making decisions. Because, you know, an entity that spends $500 on a hammer and a, a toilet, toilet seat yeah. is absolutely going to be the best person to oversee yeah. the the wants and needs of Billions of people. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. And this is an example where it can go wrong. Oh, it goes very wrong. And when it goes wrong on that scale, Mm -hmm. it's wrong. Huge wrong. Massive wrong. And what's funny is Danforth said he essentially absolved everyone. Yeah. But there were extensive internal investigations that were conducted by the ATF and the FBI, followed by public hearings by both the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate. I remember that. Yeah. The agency reports and hearings sought to place blame for the deaths, and several agents were disciplined for improper actions. Mm-hmm. And in August 1999, the U.S. government admitted that federal agents had indeed fired flammable material into or near the Branch Davidian compound prior to the massive fire. And the U.S. Attorney General then called for this special hearing with special counsel John Danforth. And then all of a sudden, oh, you know, everybody's absolved. And few survivors of the raid were tried in court. They were found not guilty of the murder of the ATF agents, but received lengthy jail sentences for their actions during and after the raid. The remaining survivors, some 25 in number, reorganized, published the writings of Koresh, and began the process of rebuilding the movement. By the end of the 1990s, it had more than doubled in size, though no clear leadership had emerged. So even after this, even after everything went to shit, all of it, everything went down in a blaze of glory. Mm-hmm. They they were still all fucking in. Yeah, it's yeah, still going. So it's my amazing. my stance is, it's less of a cult and more of just complete and total brainwashing. This guy was either a genius at brainwashing or mm. he was just incredibly. No, I, I, I don't think there's a difference between brainwashing and what cults do. I think it's one and the same. I, I don't, I don't think there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to just the biology of people and how yeah. they're set. I, every time, like, especially since we've been doing these cult of the months. Yes. I had a different position on cults before we started these. Yeah. I had a totally different. Yeah. I I really kind of, uh, I thought that the person leading it was evil incarnate, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying they're not. Right, yes. But I think all of them 
have the best intentions in the beginning. Not all of them, but most but of a them. lot of them. Yes. I think the problem is is ego is uncontrollable. Well, absolute with these leaders. power corrupts absolutely, and they all have. Yeah, I mean, it's a blanket saying to say that. I mean, you know, it's yes, not but with when everyone. When you're the but... person, and you're proclaiming yourself God, or but he wasn't doing that in the beginning. In the beginning, he was just spreading ideas out. The, that's what I'm saying. Like this is what I learned on all of these cults when we started this. With Nexium was the first mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah. Yeah, look at what he was doing. It's an executive success program. program. Yeah, He wasn't walking around saying he was the fucking greatest thing since sliced bread and all that. He had he had these just ideas. Yep. And and I think a lot of them, I'm not saying all of them, but most of them since we started this, because even Jonestown, yeah. he was just a guy with ideas. Mm-hmm. And he was ideas that, like, people never heard of before. Right, and, yeah. And that's where, like I said, ever since we've done these, I look at the person that is lost. Definitely. No confidence. Yes. Um, looking for anything to cling onto and, and make themselves feel valuable, mm-hmm. make themselves feel part of something that's bigger or than to themselves. Make them just feel anything. Well, to some degree, mm-hmm. but I think it's it's the lost thing. Yeah. And I There's say, definitely a personality type that they prey upon. Yeah, and I'm not even going to say sometimes they prey upon it. Like I said, I I think that, I mean, don't get me wrong, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Mm-hmm. You might have somebody that had all, you know, he might have had all the greatest things in mind. Right, yeah. But then it just gets weird because I hate to say it, but you're pulling in, you're not pulling in normal people. No, you're into not. your group. No, and this is where everybody like says from a. I hate even uttering the words, but like a life coach or mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. tag sayings I see with that. Yeah, all over fucking the internet of the uh, influencers and whatnot. Right, yes. but it's just like basically, if you don't have yourself around a group of good people, bad things are going to be a lot more prone to happening to you. Correct, you're going to be more prone to having bad yes. things. And I think this is where you get these desperate people that'll cling on to anything and you got somebody who has an ego problem mm-hmm. and is teaching a message and you're mm-hmm. gathering these people and then the circle starts spinning around, you know, yes. and you're giving them what they need mm-hmm. and they're giving you what you need, this gratification that you're building something and making something well. And it just goes around and around and around and, and then it gets out of control. Kind of a way to put it is like, this is where influencers I think are ruining everything. I agree. Social media influencers, because here's how it works. Say, say you and I are the leading social media influencers. Okay. And we're in a group of like 15 people Mm -hmm. that are basically the upper echelon of social media Mm -hmm. influencers. Now the way we got here was by standing out of every, uh, above everyone else. Mm -hmm. We did things that were different yep. and we were willing to risk different things. And I never deny people taking risks to get themselves into places. Right. I don't yeah. deny that. But the thing is, is say you do something totally crazy and now everybody's after you, following mm-hmm. you, yeah. liking you, yep. all that stuff. Now what I have to do is something crazier yeah, you've to got put myself above yep. you. Mm-hmm. And then the other 15 that we were in competition with or, or around. Right. 
they have to do something crazier. Right. It's just crazy, 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 right. yeah. crazy, crazy. Yeah. Politicians do this. Mm-hmm. They got to do something crazy to signal off to everybody, you know, look at me. Right. Look yes. at me. And, and, and it's just, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely toxic. But it started as something good. Right. That social media influencer probably just had some really good advice about helping people out. Or whatever. Or whatever. You know, whatever their shtick was. Yeah. yeah. And then they got caught in this followers match. Yeah. Who's yep. got the most followers? Who's got the most views? Who's mm-hmm. got the most subscribers? Yeah. How many people hit the fucking bell? Mm-hmm. You know, all that shit. And and now it's turned into this crazy mess. Right. And and the problem is, is it's all fake mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You know, and this is where we're talking. I was talking to you about uh, Instagram, like people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, oh, you know, I, I can't stand the Instagram person who comes out and they just have a picture and they're like, well, you know, just to spur of the moment, I'm just relaxing around the house. And they make it look like this picture was something they just snapped off as a little selfie or something like that. And it right. is a selfie. Spontaneous. Yeah, spontaneous. Spur of the moment. Just hanging at the beach. Bullshit. Bullshit. That was 30 fucking pictures you took yes. and you went through each yep. of them. No, not that one. Later. Click it again. Yep. Click it again. It's all forced. It's mm-hmm. fake. Yeah. It's not authentic anymore. No, it's not. You know, and, and then even more with the authentic, you got the good looking person, whether it's a dude or a chick. Oh, doesn't yes. matter. Yes. And they're all like, oh, beauty doesn't count. Yeah. Bullshit. Says all the beautiful people. You exactly. Know, you got Bill, you know, you got the, the people on yachts or, in, you know, in these exotic locations. You don't need money or any of this other stuff. I mean, there's yeah. one chick I saw in there. She's like in her 50s. Good looking. And mm-hmm. she wrote like a book or something like that. And I checked the book out and it's not anything to brag about. Not many people have. But she's got this fucking sweet house down uh, in southern United States, probably Florida or something like that. Right, yeah. You know, and it's all these great ideas, just like get in tune with yourself and blah, 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 you mm-hmm. know. And, of course, yeah. And she's got a photo crew that takes her photos, you know. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, all money doesn't matter, but they got a spot like right on the water with a canal with fucking boats and yeah, shit yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the one thing about her life is about money and and access. I don't even think it's that. I would be as so bold as to say her husband is the one yeah. pulling in all the money. Yep. And she's at home. Yep. And I'm saying there's nothing about wrong about being home and all that. No. But when you're creating this facade lifestyle of something. Correct. And what you are yes. and who you are. You're selling yeah. something completely different from yeah. who you are. You never see your pictures of these people with their friends because no. I don't think they fucking have any. No. You know, and it's just, it's fake. It's yes. absolutely it's all fake. fake. You know. Well, here, um, there are several, uh, there's especially, I'll just bring up, for example, skincare, like the influencers, yeah. they're doing all of these things, you know, like there's, this is the, the newest craze. Yeah. There were the vampire facials, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there's this other skin influencer from the UK and he actually takes the videos and he breaks it down and he shows you how, what they're filming is full of filters yeah. and how none of it is real. Yeah. So what they're saying these products do isn't real. And this is even uh, people that own like skincare companies and they're mm-hmm. hawking their, their wares. They're using filters as well. It's like, okay, 
So everything about you, even down to your business, is a lie because you aren't confident enough to just lay it all out there, to actually be natural and actually use your product and show people what it does. Instead, you've got to fake it. Or just ex- just the ability to exist mm-hmm. without having all of that attention. Mm-hmm. You know, it drives me nuts with uh, social media where this is my number one gripe with so, uh, social media is people who put the post to bait others in. Right, you know, yes. Like, oh, fuck my life. And yes. not say anything, anything. else. Yep. And then now or it's, could really use some prayers today. Yeah, but not why. No. You know, I mean, that just... And then now it baits all mm-hmm. these people in, yep. and you know, and I'll sit there and watch it. Everybody suck in, and it's like, "Yep, feed, oh, hope everything's okay." Feed the vanity, sending mo- you prayers, and then it's like, ah, oh, didn't get as many tomatoes as I thought I was gonna get this time. Yeah, just you know, f- and you're like, really? Feed the vanity monster. Yeah. Yeah. That's really all I look at it as. It's just feed the vanity mm-hmm. monster, and and it just drives me absolutely nuts. But it, like I, the connection I'm making with cults is on that. It's like. There are people that just get sucked into that. Mm-hmm. And again, I think your your genes and your DNA, so to speak, your biology. Yes. There's people that are just pre-wired for this shit. Yes. They really are. Yeah. I mean, that's the Ash experiment and the Milgram mm-hmm. experiment. Yeah. Well, you know. I saw it firsthand when I was in that stupid boo group, that dirt on boo. Yeah. I mean, it was, if you were praising this dirt. Yeah then you were you couldn't get loved upon enough. Yeah. You would get likes in the double, triple digits. They would send you stars or whatever. And, you know, all here's all these people posting about all of these great supposed health benefits from eating or soaking in this fucking dirt. And I'm not in there a week. And I'm listening to them talk about how they have this rating from this Canadian, like, oversight and how difficult it is to actually get this group to give you the okay, to say that your stuff is okay. Mm -hmm. This same governing body actually puts, like, a cease and desist on the company stating that they're making claims they they were never approved to make yeah. and that they're telling people to do things, for example, consuming, that was never approved by this governing body. Yeah. And I send them the link and I'm like, why aren't you telling people about this? Why aren't you at least telling them, hey, slow down? And I immediately get kicked out of the group. Yeah. And it's like, now... One and, and the woman who was the most vocal and the most active is and the one tout, touting all of these amazing health benefits yeah. has the worst skin. She has the worst hair mm-hmm. and she was very scattered. And that's that's your best. Yeah, that's but, your best foot forward. But the thing is, is you, you're missing the whole ship on what it's all about. It's whether it makes people feel good. It's kind of like the uh, um, the losing weight for Jesus thing. Yeah. You know, you have people that didn't lose a whole lot of weight, but they just felt good going. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't matter what the hell she looked like. Right. It didn't yeah. matter what the hell other people looked like. Yep. That's how it was at first. 
Right. Like I said, it's the, yes. it's the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then they spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. And that's where ego gets in the way. Yes, definitely. All this stuff. Yep. And, it, and it just moves into this crazy thing. That's why I was so elated at first. And I'm continuing to be elated to do Cult of the Month. Yes. Because we've got an episode every month forever now. Yes. Because there's freaking cults everywhere. <laughs> And it's not just religious cults. No. It's MLM cults. Yes. It's political party cults. Yeah. It's active activism cults are insane right now. Yes. Absolutely yes. insane. Yes. You've got people that are sitting there just screaming their brains out because that's the release they're looking for. Mm -hmm. That's the reason they're yeah. in the activist group. Right. It's to get rid of this release of this anger and fury mm -hmm. they have. Yeah. And I guarantee it has nothing to do with what they're protesting over. No. I think it's no. the straw that broke the camel's back where they're like, I'm going to join this because, God damn it, I've had enough. Right. You know, and I've had enough means I had a built up of other shit. Right. And now this fucking this thing. This just provided just an outlet me for me. The outlet yep. for it. And I'm going to join this group mm -hmm. no matter what the fuck it is. It doesn't matter what it yeah, is. No. And they get fervent, just pissed and throw oh, their yeah. hands up. And then the weird thing happens. And this is what we talk about, folks, is the moment you get in to where something happens in your group that's against your whole core belief of what the group was supposed to be. Yeah. And you defend them. Yes. That's when you're screwed. Yes. That yeah. is when you're screwed. Mm -hmm. You know, once you start defending the group and you got to change your, you got to not you, change, but just, just kind of curb your, your morals. Yes. So it doesn't change your way about the group. Right. You yes. can't look bad about yeah. the group. And, no. and, and that's where that's you change where, your view to match the group so that you don't have to go against the group. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's where, great. that's where these what groups could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And that's cognitive dissonance. Yes. You know, and, and that's that little mental discomfort that you have towards these two conflicting beliefs. And, and basically you're seeking consistency in these attitudes and perceptions. And this conflict causes this, discomfort mm -hmm. and and then what you got to do is either reject or explain away or you avoid new mm -hmm. information yep. you know no 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 you know it's like mlms you know oh it's a cult no 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 it's different it's different it's a you know. pyramid scheme you know. no 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 it's not like that no it's, it's not different. like that at all yeah yeah and it's just it is crazy yeah. and i remember watching i hope i get the name right the la la rue lula lula rue yeah it was on, um, oh, what was it? The uh, the podcast for um, Leah Fair Remini game. and Fair Game. Yep. Yeah. And there was a point there where she was talking about like the love bombing oh, yes. and, and all that stuff. And, and it just, it's so freaking cult where you get all these people. But she said something that like really like woke me up when I, I listened to it, where it's like, yeah, that's something to communicate to somebody who's getting into something like that. Is where they sit there and they go, hey, you know, if somebody if somebody comes out is basically what she said. If somebody just comes out and approaches you and says, you know what, you have everything we're looking for. We love you. You would be great in our group. Right. It's like yeah. they don't know a fucking thing about you. No. Yeah. And that's the pitch. Yep. To get the type of person. Mm -hmm. Because the desperate person would go, really, me? Yeah. You 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 think it would be me? Mm-hmm. That's the desperate person. 
And I remember my parents saying as a kid, like, don't be desperate. Right. Like, even if I wanted something really bad, I remember my dad pulling aside and being like, look, I know you want the candy. I know you want this, but don't be desperate. Right. Yeah. Desperate. Gets, it doesn't get you anything good. Right. Yes. I remember just being told that over mm-hmm. and over again. My mom was the same way. Don't be desperate. Mm-hmm. Desperate doesn't get you anything good. And I remember looking back, every fuck up I made was being desperate yes. or acting desperate. Yes. Not even thinking that I am or not. Right. Yes. Just acting desperate. Mm-hmm. And, and it generally put me in a bad position just about every fucking time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, like that whole statement when she said that, just to, oh, you know, you're we're looking exactly for you and blah, blah, yep. blah. It's like, dude, you don't even fucking know me. Yeah. How do you know what the hell I would like? That's what you should say. Yeah. You don't even know me. And then let them try to sell you on you. Yes. Do yeah. they know you? Yeah. You know, and, and even that, if it's the whole thing of, well, you're looking for something more, you're looking, if it's all general and vague. Mm-hmm. It's like horoscopes. I think everyone who's fully into horoscopes can be in a cult. Yeah. That's my broad stroke brush Mm -hmm. of just anybody that believes in horoscopes blindly. Right. Yes. And, and thinks it's gospel. You are cult material. Mm -hmm. I think you're, you're, you're definitely in the wheelhouse for, for cult stuff. So tell me, Frank. Yeah. Our our theme this month is is music. Music, yeah. How did we come to Waco? How did Waco fit in, into, that? into music month? That's why everybody's got to watch some documentaries on these guys because they had a band. Yes, they did. Yeah, I don't yeah, even they remember did. the name. They were probably the, uh, you know, the Davidians. How about the Golden Rod or the <laughs> Shepherd's Rod? <laughs> Davidians Rod. Something. Something like that. Yeah. It's it's a shame. It really is. That yes. that whole thing was a shame. But I think it was revealing too. Revealing in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, there there is a ton to learn off that. Yeah. I think there's nothing that the government can do about these cults other than something terrible like Waco. Yeah. Like I think if you that's, get involved, yeah. When that's you try really, to intervene, that's the only way it's going to end. That's the end game. Yeah. And, and yep. that's where I think the government, for once, was smart in the aspect of, yeah, we're not going to get involved. Yeah, in we this. learned our lesson. Yeah, but I think they, it was more of self-survival than actual yes. like, intelligence. Because yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. it's an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. 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 An intelligent government agency. It's just, <sighs> yes. I, it, doesn't, I, it doesn't exist. I hear you. <laughs> However, our next episode. It's a BOGO. If this one rolls smooth. <laughs> yeah, right. We're trying really hard to get We're to this one. Hard. I'm very excited about I it. I know. This one was the one we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It feels like everything yeah. has been leading up to this. So it's a BOGO. Who are you doing? I am doing Jimmy Page. And I'm doing Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, that couldn't be an amazing episode like I, at all. I can't wait. It's going to be... Be prepared to hear about our, our BFF, Aleister Crowley, because... Jimmy Page was in deep. Yeah, there's some weird stories about Jimmy Page. Yeah, there and if are. you're just like the weird cl- stories about Jimmy Page and David Bowie together. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's just I mean, David Bowie back in the day was just weird. What? Period. Yeah. Great. What? 
great. I actually, oh man. I love me some don't David even, Bowie. Don't even get me started on old David Bowie. Can't get enough. Yeah. It was short-lived, the old stuff, but well yeah. worth it. And then, yeah, Ozzy Osbourne, that's a big one for me. Yes. Ozzy was big, big, mm-hmm. big for me mm-hmm. as a little kid. Yep. I remember growing up, <laughs> you were either a Motley Crue fan or a Kiss fan. You couldn't be both. Okay. That was how it was in, in like, my elementary school. Okay. Even though, like, I like both bands, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, publicly I had to signal I was a Kiss fan. Okay. Yeah, Fair. That yep. was that's where I was at. Yes, that's where um, your loyalties fell. Yeah, yes. yeah. But if there was a little shout at the devil or uh, you know anything else going on, too fast for love, I was rocking to it. Yeah. But then Ozzy came. I remember my brother got Diary of a Madman, the album. Mm-hmm. I remember like the cover art to this day, like it's just in my head, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's just him like you know just in a fucking room that's all fucked up. And I remember listening to that album, and I was like, this guy is fucking awesome. Yeah. And my brother's like, well, if you like this, and then he played, like, Black Sabbath yeah. and, like, all this. And I was just well, like, Well, my dad was cow. a member of Columbia House. And for oh, those yeah. of you Man. who don't know, Columbia, Columbia House. House would send you, and at the time, it was 12 albums yeah. for a penny. Yeah. And he had Black Sabbath. He did not have... Any uh, Ozzy. Yeah. But he had like a couple Black Sabbath albums. And I remember because at one point he would just, he would get his shipment and their, their whole shtick was they would send you like this thing in the mail and they were telling you, okay, this is going to be the upcoming album. And yeah. you could either get that album or you could choose another one. And my dad didn't pay attention to shit. Mm -hmm. So he would just get the next album and he would be like, what's this? (laughs) 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 So like, if you look at their album collection, I mean, it looks like their, their tastes are all over the place. And really it was just neither of them took the two seconds to actually read what came in from Columbia House. Yeah. It was it was attached right to the package that the albums were in. Mm-hmm. It was literally right there. Yeah. And uh and then they'd be like, "Oh, what's this?" Yeah. And there there was like one or two times when he actually did like mail it back and be like, "I don't want this. Can yeah. you send me this instead?" Yeah. Yeah. But it was just <laughs> Okay. All right. Whatever. <laughs> so I listened to it. I'd be like, oh, I'll listen. What is this about? Yeah. Some of them I would be like, yeah, it's not bad. Others I'd be like, you could have sent that one back too. Yeah. But, you know, hey. Yeah, Columbia House was a weird thing because they had that draw where you'd get like 12 albums or CDs or tapes, whatever the fashion was then for a buck. Yep. And then after that, they raped you. You know, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, they way too much money for, yeah, and you had to commit to like five or six purchases. Well, when I got into like it, that. it was you only had to buy, um, like one that was the tail end, yeah, that's when they were going down and they were just like, oh, you know, can you just buy something, just anything, something, anything, yeah, you know, before we close the doors down, we got to move these units out. I will say, yeah. uh, when I was in it, uh, 
I was in it in the fire sale stage. Yeah. So <laughs> I got some good stuff. I got a ton of rush. I got a ton of um oh shoot. Who was the other one? I was collecting all of the eighties bands. No. Yeah, I know, right? Really? It's so weird. And I was making my way through. Um and then I was I was doing um I went through another phase where it was I was buying all of the CDs at the time that had to do with one of the movies that I liked. So, mm-hmm. like, I bought Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers because American Girl. Yeah. And um, uh, was it Refugee? We're both in Silence of the Lambs. I think so. So I was, like, snatching up these things because I was – I. In my mind, oh, I had a reference for it. Mm-hmm. I know where that came from. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tough part of the 80s, um, musically. Yeah. Is you had so many one-hit wonders. Oh. And it was terrible. Because, like, you'd hear a song, and you'd either buy the single by Discovery, or you'd hear it by the radio. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh, man, I got to get that album. And you get the album, and every song on it, shit. Yep. Except it's that, just that one, one song. song. By that one artist that you'll never hear from ever yep. again. Talking to you, Dexy's Midnight yeah. Runners. <laughs> no, it was a lot of them. And then there was like the little gems. Talking that to you, would... Katrina and the Waves. Yeah, yeah. Talking to you, Tony Basil. <laughs> Tony Basil. All right. <laughs> On that note, we got a call to action we thought of. We're going to bust it out quick. Yeah. So what we would like is a review from you guys, I know we, I know we always ask for them, and we never get them. Right. However, we've come up with an idea. An old coworker of mine and I were shooting the shit, yes. talking about the Nostradamus episode. Yes. And how uh, we were gonna just become fortune tellers mm-hmm. in the form of haikus. Yes. So what we would like is if you could give us a a, a five star review. Mm-hmm. And leave an actual or five star rating and leave a review of in a haiku. In the form of a haiku, yeah, yes. Of a prophecy. A, a prof- pro- Prophesying? A pr- yeah. You know, yeah. of a prophecy. Okay. Yeah. It'll make no sense whatsoever for a review. But it's Which a prophecy. Would be perfect. Yeah. Yes. You're going to, this is your chance to tell the future. Yes. And you have it on written record. In the form of a haiku. In the form of a haiku. Yes. If you don't know what a haiku. It can be as veiled as you want. Yeah. It can be as vague as you want. As vague as you want. Correct. Yes. Multi-interpretive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the only reviews we're accepting from now on. (laughs) Because if you put one on, we're going to read it. We are going to read it. Yes. We will highlight it. And if we haven't read it, maybe we're not paying attention to that podcast platform because we're out on, I think, probably all of them at this point. I think so. Yeah. I think we're finally on all of them. I think so. so. Hey, so if, if you're in the Facebook group, yep. be like, "Yo, I I left." Here's what we here's I what we like. A prophecy. If you gave us a prophecy and we haven't read it, take a screenshot of it and send it to us at oth, O-T-H at seriouslydecent.com. Yes, and we'll read it on the air. We will. Yeah, the air. <laughs> Next, we're going to listen to this sweet rock and roll classic. <laughs> Shepherd's Rod. <laughs>
<laughs> Rule number one. Uh, no Ouija boards. Two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Rule number four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. And maybe no shepherd's rods. Okay? <laughs> Six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Seven. Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't do it. I mean, just essentially don't give them what they want. Yeah. And number eight. Just listen. Just listen, folks. And thanks for listening. Yes. To Oh the Horror Podcast. Yes. I really hope you'll be able to listen to this episode. <laughs> we keep trying, guys. Yeah. I promise. And for everyone that's been sending out good thoughts and everything to uh, my loved one that's uh, fighting their health, so to say. She's in a fight for her life. I get, yeah. Yeah. It's I true. mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. As much as I don't want to admit it. Yes. But no, the prayers and good thoughts and. Yes. Uh, really, really appreciate them. The love that I've seen in the last week has been amazing. And if prayers are your thing, it's Frank's mom. Yeah. So you can... Well, good thoughts or anything. It's yep. my mom. It's it's Frank's mom. My mom has stage four lung cancer. Yes. And uh, it's a rare mutation. And uh, the mutation she has, uh, I think it's 1% of... People it was a very small number. Have cancer. It's a very small number. Yes. But fortunately, there's treatment. Yes. The treatment has been approved and the cost is zero. We just learned. Yes, thankfully. Yeah. And um, it's a small pool of people that have used it. So we yep. have a a good chance of a response rate. We do. If uh, if she doesn't get too sick from taking the medication. Yes, if she can tolerate it. Yep. So, yeah, all your thoughts and, and prayers, uh, I really, really um, am thankful for. I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it because I, I know my mom doesn't like to spread stuff, but I'm at this point now where yeah, any and all know, good thoughts can, yeah, can exactly. help. I'm a firm believer of it. The more people you have in your and, corner, uh, the better. Yeah, and, and uh, you're all good folks because you keep coming back yep. every week, and we hope you still come back. We were also very shocked that many listened while we were out. And we saw the back catalog yeah. exploding, and we were uh, uh, we were very emotional about you that. Guys, yeah, we were very emotional about that with everything going on. The, I mean, maybe it's the just that we're emotional, but it no, but I mean the <laughs> diagnosis, the wedding, yeah. and and then seeing that, because um, I thought, you know, I thought listens would just drop off the map with us yeah. not posting anything. Yep. And uh, no, a lot of back catalog action, and I recommend the back catalog. We got some good stuff in there, babe. We got a lot of good stuff. And, I highly uh, recommend Huska Castle. It's a favorite of mine. Yeah, that's what I was gonna give a, an opportunity for for newer people that are that are listening, or uh, if they've listened to a few and they're staying in the new stuff. Uh, Huska Castle. Castle is a favorite. Demons and demonology. Demons, demonology. If you want to hear one. Frank and I at the end of our ropes, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's definitely the if you're into alien abductions, we ah uh, we've got several of those. We've we've done some uh, we've done some good ones on that, and then there's kind of some personal favorites of mine, uh, the Suicide Forest. Yep, that was good. Uh, I enjoyed doing uh, the Banshee or the the Mothman 
episode, I thought we did yes. a really good job, and I was proud of that one. Uh, very proud of it. But we had that nice little run there uh, in season one last year with Mothman, Wendigo, Banshee, Changelings. Yeah. And that's a nice little run there if you're into that stuff. I yep. would highly recommend that is a nice uh, little run. Going going through those. And um yeah, the Hoyobachu Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh Daniel recommended that one. Yep. Uh, a listener and uh and I was glad he did cuz I knew nothing about that. Nor I. And that was a cool one to go through yep. uh, that I was very interested in. Uh yeah, those are just uh some that uh if you're curious as to where to go through um but yeah we're glad we did them um i'm glad we're still doing it yes uh even through this break of stuff going on Mm -hmm. i remember turning to you and saying after we tested the uh the the mixer and made sure everything was working with our little small practice audio i miss doing this yeah. Even just after a week and a half, two weeks, I genuinely miss yeah. doing this. Yep. And uh, I guess that's a promise to all of you that we're going to keep going. Yeah, we will. And uh, I mean, we already have almost next year slated out. So <laughs> it's cool stuff. <laughs> it is. So have a lovely day, a wonderful week. And make good choices. Take care.